0: This is RJ Rushdoony, Easy Chair number 336. April the 5th, 1995. In this session Douglas Murray, Andrew Sandlin, Mark Rushdoony and I will be discussing family reform. Well, that title may be uh a bit unusual. Uh, what is needed in the way of family reform and why use the word reform in connection with the family. Well, for starters, the family has been replaced in many of its duties by the state and by the public school. Control over the children has passed from the parents into the hands of the state. At one time it was held that the custody of children belonged to the father unless the father were truly derelict and evil. As a matter of fact, this was carried to the point that if a man had an illegitimate child, he had the care of the child. And that was quite a restraint on men because if uh, the girl brought the child and handed it to you and said, here's your baby, it was a very serious problem. Well, now we have the reverse. In the past few weeks, I've heard of two cases where very evil women were able to offset the claim of the parent, the father, to child custody by accusing them totally false of molesting their daughter or their son or their several children. Now, this is becoming more and more common. And I think it's upsetting that it has come up twice, just in a matter of weeks. It tells us what is happening. It has become a means whereby the family is further destroyed because the authority of the father is eroded. And the father, in one state after another, from coast to coast, knows that he's a loser when he goes to court. And in spite of this, we have all kinds of uh, talk about how terrible the divorces are on the women. Well, the majority of divorces now are secured by the wife. And Her expectations are unrealistic, as very often her grounds are. What they fail to realize, these women who are flocking to the divorce courts, is simply this. In a divorce, everybody's a loser. Under most uh, conditions, both husband and wife are losers because one income is now divided into two. And there's no way that you can make it increase overnight simply because you want it to. Well, we have a situation now where the courts reject the authority of the man. He cannot say that he does not want his child aborted. He does not have the say-so over his children. If he is divorced, he loses them. The result is that we really do need a reform in the sphere of the family. It has to begin in the church, and the church has to begin by taking the Bible seriously. Yes, that's right. Consider the Ten Commandments. One of them says, Honor thy father and thy mother. Another says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's two, closely related to the family, essentially related to it. Then a third, thou shalt not steal. Well, property in the Bible is not personal property as much as it is family property.
1: That's
0: right. So stealing was stealing from a family. And again, the Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or his property. Again, family related. Which means four of the Ten Commandments have to do directly with the family. The first four directly with God. So this tells us very clearly how important the family is in the sight of God. And yet, there are people who think that to speak so is terrible. And they insist the church has priority over the family. Well, where is the church in the Ten Commandments? Absolutely. So, we need a reform of our whole perspective on the family. Now, Some uh, remarkable research has been done on the family by a man who began by trying to disprove what Christians have historically believed about the nature of the family and sexual morality. J.D. Unwin in England... I believe his book, Sex and Culture, came out in 1936. It was the culmination of a series of studies which represented his life's work. Contrary to his expectations, what the research of all known cultures from antiquity to the present including various tribes of Indians, tribes of Africans, islanders, and so on. What his research demonstrated was that there was a mathematical correlation between sex and culture. That in a culture where there was uh, premarital and postmarital promiscuity, the culture was in a dead level. Most of them could not count beyond ten. In other words, the fingers of their hands and I could add the Hibaro Indians in South America can't count beyond three one, two and
2: lots
0: (laughs) then if a culture introduces marital chastity they begin to have an idea of a life after death of gods and begin to have a capacity for reason, rational thinking. And when you have, as with Christian civilizations, premarital and postmarital chastity, you have a totally different culture. You have the development of thinking, of sciences, of technology, and so on. So Unwin showed a direct correlation between sex and culture. Of course, in his last work, he tried to figure out a way that uh, men and society could get around this. It was kind of a fantastic thing. He said, given the fact that this is the case, perhaps what we ought to do is to train an elite class and uh, have them work as the philosopher kings as it were of society until they are 40 or 45 and then we pension them off and say go to it now you can do as you please and live as a total hedonist well it's noteworthy that nobody has been able to challenge Unwin's work but it has been neglected well meanwhile meanwhile We have seen growth of state power and this growth of state power has steadily worked to erode and undermine the power of the family so that increasingly it is difficult for a father to be the father in the family. Yes. The mother can do a bit more because feminism backs her. But I have been told that one of the common problems that men seek counseling for is their feeling that they have no place in the family. It is... Said, and this was reported in the papers two, three years ago, that one out of six or seven men don't really know whether their children are theirs. We're not sure. But they have no sense of any place, authority, or function. And so the family is going downhill and the state is gaining power, and the most recent development of the past decade or more has been beginning with a White House conference, a redefinition of the family to include homosexual and lesbian groups. The saddest part is that the mainline churches have done nothing about this, and, in fact, have been working in some instances, I won't mention the church, to formulate a liturgy, which they hope somewhere down the line, to have approved for lesbian and homosexual marriages. The evangelical churches, by and large, don't say much about the family even though it's basic to four of the Ten Commandments they don't want to get involved in the law so they don't say much about the family and they're really ignorant of a great deal that we see in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy about the family They really don't know what God has to say about it, which is very, very sad. I'm only going to take a minute more on this, but uh, one of the very, very interesting things in the Gospels is that our Lord on the cross, undergoing the most painful form of execution man has ever devised could still look to his mother and her care and said to John Behold thy mother. He was mindful of that at that point and in that respect he was a good Jew because he recognized the basic Structure of the family as all-important and was not going to be negligent of his duty there. As a result, we have to say that family reform, namely, bringing back the authority of the father, making him realize that under God he is a priest and the head of a household, not to throw his weight around, but to use his authority to further the redemption of his family and their service to Christ. This has to be stressed. We have to get back to the importance of preaching in terms of God's laws with regard to the family. Until we do nothing, any state or White House conference... On the family is going to be anything but a progression into evil. Douglas, with that, I'll ask you to take over.
2: Well, you mentioned earlier about the baseless charges of sexual misconduct of yes. fathers. I don't think that that's an, that's a, a, a an accident. I spoke with a young uh, female attorney who was a graduate of a local law school here uh, it's been some years back uh, she was working for a law firm that did some legal work for me we got into a discussion about the National Organization for Women because she was very uh, conscious of the uh, this was back in the 1970s when they were you know really starting to get uh, up ahead of steam and uh, there were bulletins circulating, uh, among the feminist groups that were forming in each of the major universities around the country. And they were networking via newsletters or bulletins, uh, or rather bulletins at first, and then it became newsletters, and now it's email today. And the, the female attorneys of the Gloria Allred, uh, group and so forth, uh, the magic bullet to attack the, the, what they considered to be the male supremacy and to, uh, supposedly empower women or set them free from the, from what they considered the bondage of marriage, uh, the magic bullet was to get the courts to accept without question the baseless charge of sexual misconduct yes. on the part of the father and they have used that and used that and used that to the point where it has become simply accepted uh... social workers uh, that's their uh, uh... the flag that they carry they go into every situation automatically assuming that whatever the child says is a hundred percent right that there's no fantasy involved there's no anger or uh, resentment involved uh... for some uh, From some disciplining that was done by the parent and, uh, the, the wife, if she chooses to destroy the relationship, uh, she really has far less trouble doing so by making this baseless charge as we have seen numerous times in celebrated court cases that have been in the papers. That, that same scenario has been repeated literally thousands and th- tens of thousands of times in this country it just doesn't get the the notoriety in the papers that uh, of the more celebrated cases but i, I know of uh, you know i've seen it happen among two or three of uh, people that i've known down in the san francisco bay area where the the wife there be a uh, a man and wife and two lovely children the guy's you know, keeping his nose clean, keeping his nose to the grindstone, not fooling around or anything, and then all of a sudden it just blows up in his face. The wife says, "Well, I'm not. I don't feel fulfilled. I want to. I want a yeah, career, yes. and uh, make this baseless charge." And I know one fellow who was a devout Catholic, and he just really went through the ringer. I mean, it just turned a man inside out. I watched him go through a, a virtual living hell for about five years until he was able to free himself of this. So it's uh, it's not without design. They're they're like children playing with fire, and they have burned many many people and destroyed yes. many many families. That's very
0: true, Douglas. I won't go into that because I can't talk about some instances that I know of, of that kind of thing, where without the remotest foundation in fact, the charges have been made. And it's only the rare uh, court-appointed psychiatrist or psychologist or district attorney that uh, says this is nonsense. I'm not going to follow through on this.
1: Well, this is a result of feminism which must be extirpated, rooted out if there is to be any revival of paternal headship. Um, we need to call feminism, modern feminism what it is. It is hatred for God's divinely created order. We can't give it any room whatsoever. Evangelicals frequently say, well, there's a difference between militant feminism and our evangelical feminism, which will lead eventually to female ordination and that sort of apostate action. We need to call it what it is. You can't inverse, uh, inverse or pervert God's designed order and expect everything to go well. It will not. I was thinking about the attacks on what is called in the universities by feminist patriarchalism, and I've talked to some of them. A group of these, uh, half-witted gals got together, uh, last year at a scholarly conference. One of them actually read a paper on the patriarchal orientation of the New Jersey ter- uh, turnpike. <laughs> How's it, how that this is a, a male-dominated, uh, architectural, uh, wonder. And they'll talk about um, how language is male-dominated. I mean, deconstruction is largely a problem mm-hmm. of deconstruction. But we have to recognize the the foes that we're fighting here, and we can't. So, I need to point this out because there are so many men who are frightened into opposing feminism because of the political correctness idea, even in the evangelical church. But we need women need to stand up and Christian women, godly women, need to stand up and point out how degrading feminism is to women. It does not bring her an exalted place. It humiliates her and takes her away from her divinely appointed calling. But um, that must be strongly, firmly, unalterably, incessantly opposed at all costs.
3: I think it's important to remember regarding the family. Uh, The marriage vows and and the covenantal relationship of the family. The marriage vows, the traditional marriage marriage vows, involve um, the making of two covenants. One is a covenant between the the man and the woman. I take thee, so and so, and and the other says, I take thee, so and so, and um we it 's a promise to one another it 's a covenant between the two individuals but then yes. they they as a as a couple um they covenant with god yes and if we de- if as long as marriage is an atomistic thing intended for the fulfillment of each member then it 's an anar- it 's an anarchistic institution yes because um uh, One's needs, one's sense of fulfillment is going, is flexible. It changes from day to day, from month to month, and from year to year. And you can't have a permanent covenantal relationship of any kind with that kind of an approach to marriage. You know, that, that's what our approach to marriage today is. It's a matter of convenience. You know, that reminded me of something too,
1: Mark, and that is the modern idea of love is so perverted. People say, I fell in love and got married. Well, I wouldn't want to get married because I fell into something. Um, it's amazing that the Puritans uh, read their journals it's remarkable the Puritan young men they would be apprenticed in let's say 2021 20, and they would say God write your prayers God now it's time for me to have a wife please bring me a wife it was not something they were overtaken by but the problem when love is defined very sentimentally and uh, when it's defined on the basis of feelings is if you fall into it you can easily fall out of it and so often in marriage as a woman or a man say well I don't love her anymore because for them Love is nothing more than a feeling, and often tied to your or sex, which is not wrong of itself, certainly. but when it's tied exclusively to that, there's no covenantal basis for it. I mean, people don't understand that marriage is a covenant, and it is not based on a very sentimental view of of love. but we have this soap opera soap opera idea of love, and that has unfortunately crept into the church and has been utterly destructive.
0: I'd like to correct something here. Uh, it's just that uh, I don't want anyone to get a misapprehension. Feminism is prevalent not only in evangelical circles, but in Catholic and Reformed circles. Yes, that's right. It's very prevalent. It is saturated every area of uh, the world today. Yes,
1: well, that's exactly right. And you know, I wanted to point out too, Rush. Uh, you were commenting on. Um, how some individuals are teaching that the institutional church is the center Mm -hmm. of the faith. I was just reading a book that you're aware of, very critical of Chalcedon, in which the writer made an unbelievable statement. He said, we know for one reason that the church must be the uh, center of the faith, center of society, uh, that sort of thing, because the husband's decision can be appealed to the elders. What he was basically saying is if the wife doesn't like the decision-making of the husband or the children don't, they can go right to the elders, and the elders have the authority to somehow excommunicate this man. Well, that's just total nonsense, Mm -hmm. and I think we need to recognize that in this case, and our listeners need to recognize that unfortunately sometimes the church can make an assault on the family. Yes. Yes. That has happened and that is happening. It's unfortunate that that should be the case because biblically the church and the family should work hand in glove, should work together. But uh, unfortunately that is too often the case today.
0: Uh, Eugen Rosenstock-Husey in his book Out of Revolution called attention to the fact of uh, the Reformation's great emphasis on the family and how it altered Western civilization. Another scholar has written uh, When Fathers Ruled, how the Reformation stressed the role of the father and family life and created a tremendous social revolution in Germany. Well, one of the consequences was that the... uh, Catholic Church stressed the role of Joseph, the Holy Family. And as a result, uh, Catholics began to develop a strong emphasis on the family. All that has been eroded in this century, in particular since World War One, so that today the family is under very, very concerted attack on all sides Uh, not the least of which is from the children
1: yes that's right Uh,
0: I have had uh, parents tell me things like this Uh, coming home and saying that uh, my counselor says I don't have to do what you say and if you try to make me he will call the authorities now that is more and more yes. commonplace, yes, the number of unruly children, boys and girls who use that line are legion,
1: and shouldn't go without comment that our present first lady has championed children's rights, yeah in one of her chief areas of her <coughs> agenda uh, and it's utterly utterly destructive not only of the family but especially of uh paternal headship they hate god's created order and god's uh covenantal basis for the family and they want to destroy it and they're doing an effective job for the most part
2: you can't get much more unruly than the Menendez brothers that's right yes that's right that's precisely correct they're well. a, they're an ominous sign of the times yes they represent a, a pervasive... the culmination of this pervasive evil. Yes. Well,
0: there are men who are glad to go to work because it takes them out of the family.
1: Yeah. Because
0: they feel so frustrated there. And they realize that they cannot use their authority because it will be under concerted attack.
1: But we must point out, too, that feminism... And these attacks cannot be successful because they're against the word of God and against nature. You can't take a fish out of the water and ask him to fly. And to be successful, it does not work. No. It cannot work. It is self-destructive. And that's why, by God's grace, when the kingdom advances, as it advances, there will be a great revival of family faith yes. because these others will be shown to be an utter failure.
2: Some of the... Uh Many women who uh, joined the feminist movement in their youth, in their late teens and early twenties, uh, that are now gotten into the past childbearing age, didn't have children, and into their 40s. And you see some of these desperate attempts at uh, artificial cons- uh, conceiving child- children, and so forth, uh, as last-ditch attempts. But for many of them, I, they did some interviews on television. And many of them felt that they were lied to, that they were misled by the feminist movement, that they were they got swept up in it, and uh, when they finally reached a state of maturity where they w- were able to look back they they felt that they had been misled.
0: The feminists, however, are arming for the national elections in nineteen ninety six and are determined to make. Uh, women's rights, a major issue, and, uh, work against any and every candidate who will not conform to their standards.
2: Well, I think they're gonna be running a a far second to the economic situation. I think that's gonna be the number one problem in the 96 election, and, uh, whatever the feminist wants is gonna get lost in the clamor. They can make, you know, a lot of noise, but, uh, they're not going to overcome the kind of vote that we had in the last election and those same people that were worried in the last election are going to to be a lot more worried in this next one. This Emily's
3: list that uh, promotes feminist candidates in the last election, they did very, very poorly. They've been touted for years as a major power in politics and they did very, very poorly.
0: The modern family represents a phase that uh, history has seen before. Some scholars have called attention to the fact that there are three stages in the life of a family. That is, in family history. First, you have the patriarchal family which dominates society it's the strong institution it is the source of law and of order and in the patriarchal family contrary to the myth propagated by the feminists the mother is a very strong figure absolutely she has vast authority yes and She is not treated lightly because she is, as it were, the queen. Yes. Then as this uh, type of family disintegrates uh, uh, with the rise of the state, you have the nuclear family, in which uh, the family is still strong, but not in its cultural aspects. It's not the power in society. The state is. But the family, in relationship to its members, uh, still governs them and controls them and has a great deal of residual authority. However, it is not a patriarchal order. It's a, uh, a statist order, which is... Beginning and is superseding or has superseded the family. Then third, you have the atomistic family in which the state is the major power in society and the family is less a family than a house in which uh, people eat and sleep together but do not really have much to say about one another.
2: It's a commune.
0: Yes, it's uh, basically a, a convenient arrangement. And it is this atomistic family that has since World War I prevailed in the Western world and is a major part, if not a central part, together with the loss of a strong Christian faith, uh, of the social disintegration which we see on all sides. Now, in the late 50s, a couple of uh, Catholic scholars, uh, Father uh, Cervantes and C C. Zimmerman, the great family sociologist of Harvard, wrote on the uh, disintegration they were seeing of the family all around and which has proceeded apace since then, but they also predicted a revival of the family. I think we have seen that revival the Christian school movement and the home school movement. Yes, that's right. No one in 1950 could have imagined anything comparable. Uh, both movements growing so rapidly so that uh, all kinds of uh, meetings and plans are underway on the status level to try to undermine both because they are destroying the power of the state in those spheres. So uh, Zimmerman and Cervantes were accurate in seeing that as the decline continued on the one side and the erosion on the other side, there would be a rebuilding and a return to a strong patriarchal family.
2: Well, there's another factor we haven't touched on yet that's been a major destructive force in the family and it's relatively recent and that's the inheritance tax and the estate tax because this destroys whatever wealth there is to pass on to the next generation and the the state has stepped in between the generations and uh, caused an interruption in that flow that's because the
1: state is anti-covenantal the state doesn't like the idea of wealth being transferred from generation to generation the word of God teaches us that's how the kingdom of God will advance in time and history from generation to generation. Well, the state doesn't like that, so it wants to penalize the family, which, as I think I pointed out earlier in one of our uh, sessions, was a chief tenet of Karl Marx and Engels yes. in the Communist Manifesto. Uh, It's amazing. We think that Marxism is being destroyed, and yet uh, the good old American liberal Democrats have embraced it.
2: It's alive and well. And the Republicans, too. And
1: not only the Democrats, the Republicans also.
2: Well, if Christians want a good issue to bring up in the next election, or even now, if they'd like to write their elected representatives, repeal of the inheritance tax and the the estate tax would be a good place to start if they want to strengthen the family exactly right
1: interesting I was thinking about Marx's uh, and Engels manifesto there's also what seems to be a quite queer comment in there that communists also want to do away with the distinction between urban and rural areas it was a remarkable statement Uh, they wanted an absolute equalization not only of wealth but almost an absolute equalization of topography and of building and all that sort of thing and uh, I think that's another
3: point that uh,
2: Bear's mentioning. Well, we saw the great Romanian experiment in that yes. aspect where they went out and bulldozed all of the farmhouses down and forced everybody to live in concrete rabbit hutches in the city. Yeah, uh, also bulldozed the churches. That's yeah, right. bulldozed the churches. That's well, right. we have a different, uh, it's just a difference in style. Our government bulldozes the churches by putting them on the dole Mm-hmm. they, they de- destroy churches in this country by making them dependent on government largesse the Russians are a little more overt about it they just go out and knock them down and shoot the the uh, church leaders and, uh, and uh, pass a law that uh, people cannot meet uh, That's right. for religious purposes
0: mm-hmm. well, we are in the midst of one of the major revolutions of history. This time, however, it's worldwide. So we are facing one of the most critical battles in all of history to save the church and to reform it and to save the family and reform it. And these are the two areas that long retain their independence from the state. But what we've seen in this century, especially since World War II, is a direct assault on both.
3: Sure.
0: Uh, this is uh, total war on the part of the state. And we had better realize that we are being shot at that uh, the hatred for us is intense I think we are in the next decade or so going to see what the future will be because we're coming to the critical point where the state's efforts to save itself are falling apart will Christians continue Will they develop uh, further everything they're doing? That's why in the last session talking about welfare reform, I did appeal to those who are listening that we have to assume a growing responsibility in the field of Christian welfare and uh, or charity and that we would uh, be grateful for their support in this. But we also have to recognize that the family is an area where much needs to be done. And I think it is urgently important for churches to begin preaching on those aspects of God's law that deal with the family, that the congregations realize the family is not just a natural fact. As far as most people are concerned, the family is a natural fact where uh, certain natural functions are met, such as sex, eating, sleeping, well, and shelter. Well, that's altogether wrong, because according to the Bible, the... Family is supposed to be also a Christian fact. He's from beginning to end, first, last, and always a Christian fact. Because consider the fact that when God talks about this world, He is using the imagery of the family to describe the church. Exactly. To describe His relationship to His people. To describe himself, he speaks of himself as our Father. That's right. Now, he doesn't say uh, your president, that's right. or your pastor, or your elder in the church. He says he is our Father. Yes.
1: That's
0: now, right. that's a fact of such vast importance that anyone who pays no attention to it is missing the point of so much of biblical yes. teaching. That's right. In fact, uh, we tend to forget, although some groups still use the language, that the Puritan habit, one derived from ancient Christian usage, was to speak of the pastor as father so-and-so, and the members as brother and sister. That's right. Uh, The brother and sister is still used in some places, but uh, when the Catholics adopted father, as I've pointed out so many times, the Protestants dropped it, which was too bad because this was the imagery that God himself uses. Yes.
1: You know, we have to come out strongly against Christians sending their children to state-financed secular schools. Um, The last figure I saw was uh, 70% of professed Christians who uh, send their children to state schools. Uh, That is not only embarrassing. That is abominable. It is a sin, and it needs to be called what it is you think of nations in history what nation in history think of Sparta proud nation strong nations that would take their children and turn them over to their enemies to educate them yes. no sound nation would do that and yes yes, so many Christians uh, are willing to send, the, to turn their children over surrender their children six, seven, eight hours a day whatever the case may be and sometimes starting with this head star program at two or three years old uh, to their enemies that must be opposed at all costs. And we have to have dads who will take the lead in the home and say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, teaching the children the word of God, catechizing the children for, with the Westminster Confession, for example, if you're reformed. Uh, mothers to see their high calling in the family and that their calling is subordinate to their husband's calling. All of these things must be done if the family is to be reformed.
0: Yes, well... It's interesting, about ten years ago, the Wall Street Journal had a report on Chicago and the fact that a higher percentage of the public school teachers had their children in Christian schools than, than did the Protestant clergy.
3: Something, if you've ever been around a Christian school, you would have heard conversations about Teachers in schools realize what's happening in our society. And even in Christian schools, it's extremely noticeable because you see the difference in the children from generation to generation. When I first started teaching, uh, most of the parents were in their late 20s, uh, 30s. They were... Basically, uh, they were older than I, so I was born in 1954. So most of the parents, <clears throat> when I first started teaching, were born in the mid-30s to the mid-50s. And their attitudes were very different then than today. Most of the parents uh, that I'm dealing with now were born in uh, the 60s and 70s. And there's a tremendous difference. It's unfortunate that very often it's easier not to deal with the parent when you have a problem with the child.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Because the parents <coughs> reflect much of what's happened to our society. It's the parent wants to blame the teacher, to blame another child when their child has shortcomings, and even if they will admit, well, yes, my child was wrong, but, there's always a but, which is exactly what a child wants to say when they get caught. That's right. Yes, I did it, but I had a good reason for doing it. And there are, and I don't want to give any specifics, but about, when I think it was 11 years ago, Darlene and I, started uh, running the Calcedon Christian School very few mothers were working at that time they were mostly stay at home mothers or if they worked it was just a few hours in a gift shop or something they did more for uh, fun to get out of the house for a little hour now most of our mothers are working and it's a whole new generation that's in the school and we see a vast difference and you really see the destructive influence of what has happened from the from the children of the 60s and the children of the 70s that are now having the children they don't know what, what they should be expecting out of children i've had ver- i had don't know that i would have any parent in the school right now who would tell their child you do what the teacher says and don't make excuses i won't have it and we, we lost a child that we wanted to advance a grade, was a he was so far ahead, we say he's getting into mischief, he's daydreaming because it's too simple for him, we need to advance him to the next grade level. I, they, they were so opposed to it that they finally took, took him out of the school because his needs weren't being fulfilled. Well, we had the, advanced yeah. him we had advanced him that far, and yet he, we'd have him since kindergarten, but we weren't fulfilling his needs. Yeah, and no this problem. is becoming typical. I can't remember the last time we told a parent, "I think your child should be advanced academically that they haven't wanted to put the brakes on because they're more concerned with the social um, no, congeniality the social relationships mm-hmm. than um what they're learning in school. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly right. So we've got a, a, a generation or two of of parents here who don't know what a family is all about. It's not, not, not just the children we have to worry
0: about now; it's the parents as well. Back in the twenties, uh, the parents were proud if their child were advanced. So is yes. so the child. Yes.
2: Well, the, you know, the, the economic problems for, uh, you know, a, cr- a Christian family where man and wife both work, uh, they're making payments on two cars as a rule. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's left to pay for Christian school tuition? Right. Uh he, You know, they, they've already gotten themselves into trouble. You know, they've eliminated that, that discretionary income that could be spent on Christian school tuition. So they need to look to, you know, their own family organization. You know, perhaps, uh, the taxes that they would save, the money that they wouldn't have to spend on the second car, the insurance, the fuel for the car, the upkeep, uh, it's not worth it they might as well be spending that money on their children's education because they're going to get far more for their dollar. Plus, they're going to save money anyway. They don't have to have a bulletproof vest like they do in public school. I'll
3: give you just a little inkling of what the problem is here, we're in a rural community, which is not as bad as many places in the city, perhaps. We have 40-some-odd students offhand. I can think of at least six children who are being raised by their grandparents.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. Because the parents really aren't capable, or have basically abandoned the job to, the to, to, the, to their parents. Well, the Bible says in Galatians 6 Be not
1: deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For the last 50 years, especially, we have sowed antinomianism, uh, social discord, and we, these are things that you come to expect, unfortunately. You can't violate God's law with impunity. You can't do it in the family, you can't do it in the church, you can't do it in the state, you can't do it in business, you can't do it anywhere. And uh, these are things we have to deal with. Mark, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, you can't get away with sin. You just can't. It's an impossibility.
0: Well, family reform, as I indicated earlier, has to begin in the church as well as the family because the Church no longer sees the importance of the family and indeed, as you well know, Andrew, will often attack it. Yes. It regards uh, any stress on the family in the same language and with the same hatred as the feminists. It is patriarchalism and somehow evil. Yes. You know, another point I wanted to make, Rush. this is so crucial.
1: If we're going to be reformed, as many of our listeners, though not all of them are, we need to be consistent. The church rests on the covenant. The covenant doesn't rest on the church. The church exists
3: to support the
1: covenant. The family does not exist to support the church. And that's, the family does support the church. There's no question about that. But one of the chief reasons for the existence of the church is to strengthen the family, not vice versa. Mm -hmm. We don't subordinate the family to the church to sacrifice the family for the sake of the church. Mm -hmm. That is a denial of all that the Bible teaches, and that's a point that must be made.
0: The strong churches are the ones that have strong families. Exactly, and uh, I think
1: ministers are totally naive if they think they can have a strong church composed of weak families. Yes, It's an utter impossibility. You will have a strong church if you have a strong family, if you have it's a composed of strong families, which means that there should be strong preaching about and teaching about the family yes. in the church.
0: Well, it was a disaster when the state entered into the sphere, and the White House conferences on the family have had a very sad role. They began by being apparently supportive and they've become very subversive in the family in recent years. And meanwhile, the church has had very little to say on this trend. It is left a matter to sociologists and to politicians. Uh, I... I think it's a very sad fact too that increasingly the membership of the church is atomistic. It used to be families or members. You counted the membership by so many families. And in such a, a scheme, normally the family was instructed as a family. And the father had a very responsible role. Yes. So that if there were a problem, they went to the father. Absolutely. And now, if there's a problem, it's the mother who's called in. That's been totally lost, Rashi. You see so many churches now with what they call singles
1: ministry. Yes. Uh, there's a whole aspect of the church. and. Of course, there are. we recognize that there are divorcees and single people in the church, and the point is not that they shouldn't, we shouldn't care for them, but that strong family emphasis has been largely lost, Yes. and uh, the family has been separated. The whole idea, Rush, you pointed out in one of your early books, one of the first things I read of yours was, I believe, an appendix in uh, Messianic Character about the problem of modern Sunday schools. Oh, that was an in intellectual... In intellectual schizophrenia, I'm yeah. sorry.
0: Um,
1: the, the just the, the separation of the family that is on the part of the church is, is very, very dangerous. And that's one reason we have weak families today. Well,
2: we got designer churches. You know, they'll, yes. they'll yes. put together anything you want. You know, entertainment center. That's, that's the, the dregs of Arminianism that man will determine. The
1: congregation will determine the religion they will have. And it's no mm-hmm. different from bail worship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: worship, none
0: whatsoever. Well, our time is nearly up. Does, does anyone have anything further to say? Well, if not, thank you all for listening and God bless you.